0: My experiments in genetics brought me here to the swamp. My sister and I had developed a biorestorative formula that could double the world's food production. I was caught in a terrible explosion and fire. The flames consumed my body, but somehow the chemicals in the formula reconstructed my tissue from the slime in the swamp. They call me Swamp Thing. Welcome to now playing Swamp Thing retrospective series. A plant for the 21st century. Hosted by Arnie.
1: You're mad! I never felt
0: say that. Stuart. He's like a brilliant chess player. He anticipates every move. And Jacob.
2: Oh shit. Douglas Neighbor.
0: Join us each week as we watch and review another Swamp Thing film.
1: Yeah, I think that brings us good.
0: These podcasts will contain detailed plot spoilers and harsh language. Listener discretion is
2: advised. Let's hope this project doesn't end with a bang.
1: Today, we discuss Swamp Thing, starring Louis Jourdan, Adrian Barbeau, Ray Wise, David Hess, and Dick Durac, directed by Wes Craven. I'm Arne, Podcast
2: Thing of Now Playing.
1: I was once a man. I know the evil men do. Oh, wait, that's the TV series.
2: I got worried. I thought we were reviewing some Batman movie or something. (laughs) That's your... (laughs) Swamp Thing voice? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) It's very similar. I think Christian Bale
1: watched some Swamp Thing.
2: Can I just say, I am so grateful they never made a TV movie, or if they did, it's buried so deep in the bayou, we will never find it. My god, only two things in Swamp Thing, I'm here for it, Stuart in LA. Hey,
1: And this is the host that has all the thrills of watching grass grow, Jacob. And here we are, we are pretty much closing the loop on DC, right? We're at Swamp Thing, we're scraping the slime off the bottom of the barrel,
3: (laughs) We know we do before people get in an uproar. We know we have Watchmen. We do have some other stuff, but yes, we are getting close. We are scraping that barrel, the muck literally from the barrel when we get to Swamp Thing.
2: Yes, now that we've started Stephen King, we just finished Carrie. I do think our focus primarily will be now less comic books, more Stephen King and horror. And that's cool with me, but yeah, let's knock it out here. I mean... We've been waiting to get to Swamp Thing almost since we started doing comic book movies. The second movie in our Marvel retrospective was Man-Thing. Which, at the time, when we recorded in spring 2011, all three of us agreed was the very worst film we had ever reviewed for Now Playing. I wonder, does that still stand... It's kind of hard to say, given how much we've gone through. I mean, how thick the swamp has been since Man-Thing, I don't even know anymore if Return of the Living Dead Necropolis was worse than Man-Thing or not. I don't know. We've seen a lot of bad movies, but I do think it still is a watermark for the very lowest of the low, Man-Thing.
1: It's certainly a go-to for utter shit, but yeah, I mean, when you start looking at some of the direct-to-DVD stuff we did... It's very hard to tell. I really just don't want to start being that kind of fecologist to determine the difference.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I'll say I would have to review everything we've done, but easily in the bottom three, I could give it that. It is the go-to one. It is the one that most easily rolls off your tongue when talking about just awful, awful films we've done.
2: Yeah, I agree. There may have been, mm, there may have been worse comic book movies. But if they were, they were at least more entertaining. I'll put it that way. You know, David Hasselhoff, more entertaining, maybe just as bad. I do think that when I think about comic books in general, the comic book movies, that is the lowest of the low. So as I come to the DC Universe and see their equivalent, that's the war being waged here. Can Swamp Thing... Be better than Man-Thing. It's a very low bar, but at the same time, this is a Wes Craven superhero movie. (laughs) What hope do I have?
3: What are you talking about a superhero movie? I mean, come on, this is Swamp Thing. Sophisticated suspense. It always had a foot in horror. Why not Wes Craven?
1: Well, we'll talk about it. I saw this movie once before in my life because of Wes Craven and somebody on this podcast with me right now, Stuart, you were into Twin Peaks. I was into Elm Street and I hadn't seen Twin Peaks yet. You wanted to see every movie starring a Twin Peaks alum. (laughs) I was game for something with Wes Craven. And so we went in 1990 to a local video store and rented
2: Swamp Thing. Wow, your memory is better than mine. I was shocked Ray Wise was in this. I experienced it anew. I was like, oh, look, it's Ray Wise. It's Leland Palmer starring in Swamp Thing. I didn't remember he was in it, and that certainly was a short-lived fad. If I wanted to see all the works of all the Twin Peaks actors, I mean, just looking at Billy Zane's resume, yeesh.
1: I think I beat it out of you with Dream a Little Dream.
2: (laughs) Piper Laurie, that's right. It didn't last more than a day or two. I realized that actors come and go out of projects. The quality control can be very, very hard in that industry. You're lucky and happy just to keep working, keep drawing a paycheck. And yeah, Swamp Thing is the early days of Ray Wise here. And the early days of Wes Craven, so to speak. He had not quite been established as a horror master yet. He was ten years into his career. It was ten years past Last House on the Left. But he hadn't done much more notable besides that.
1: Oh, I would disagree as far as that goes. I mean, I'd say that if you take away A Nightmare on Elm Street, the two films you're going to think of when you think of Wes Craven... Our last house on the left, with you mentioned, and the Hills Have Eyes in '77.
2: It is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen it, nor do I want to, but I have seen Hills Have Eyes too, and if it's anything like that, uh, no, I think if Hills Have Eyes has cachet now, it's because they had a big splashy Fox remake, but I don't think that the original is some kind of touchstone for '70s horror. Now, that
1: said, Craven did get this. While he was still making another film called Deadly Blessing, I haven't seen it. Killer
2: Amish, I saw it on TV once, kind of half-watching, yeah.
1: And he actually was doing pre-production of Swamp Thing while filming Deadly Blessing, filming Swamp Thing while doing post-production of Deadly Blessing. So Swamp Thing, he never gave it his full attention... But he saw this as his opportunity to prove to studios he could handle a budget and he could handle big action and make his career out of this. And after this came out, he had a lot of trouble finding work.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't believe that they were ready to make music of the heart yet with him. I, I think he was still stuck doing horror after this. Fortunately for him, Elm Street was only two years away. But it's really before... I would say he got the attention of being a true horror master here. He was unproven. Much like Toby Hooper, he might have been notable after his big success, but he wasn't a star director yet. And I don't think this one made him one.
3: I gotta ask you, Arnie, you're the media guy. Why Swamp Thing? To follow up Christopher Reeve's Superman, why then go to Swamp Thing, who is... Always been, I mean, he's always had a following with the comic books, but it's always been more of a cult following. It's never been a huge bestseller. It's always been more of a small devoted group. Why go here?
1: Well, the answer to that is actually a guy named Benjamin Melkiner. And he's a film producer who was a huge comic fan. He paid for law school with no loans by selling a portion of his comic book collection. And this was sometime in the 70s or so. And because he had so much money from being a lawyer and this rare comic book collection, he was able to buy some movie rights to DC characters. He was a big DC guy. And he got the rights to two characters, pretty much. Swamp Thing and Batman. (laughs) So of course you go with Swamp Thing! Now... Let's keep in mind, we did the Batman retrospective last year. We talked about all the production hell that Tim Burton's Batman went through and how Batman was kind of tainted by the Adam West Burt Ward show. Nobody could see how to make Batman serious. So, yeah, he went with Swamp Thing. Now, I want to say he is the man who would bring us Batman in the late 80s. He has been the producer
2: on all the Batman films through The Dark Knight Rises. Wow, lucky guy. He didn't even need to go to law school. He could have just sold those comics and had his Hollywood career. That's amazing. Yeah. But yeah, it's worth pointing out. I do want to remind people. There was a time, not so long ago, in my lifetime at least, where comic book movies were shunned by Hollywood. They didn't want to make them. They thought it was kid stuff that belonged on Saturday morning TV.
1: Yeah, and so this guy, after Superman, he found the way to get funding for a fairly low-budget film with this up-and-coming director who'd been proven to do low-budget, and these were the rights he had. He was a fan of the character. This is the movie. Now, Jacob, I turn the question right back at you. Why Swamp Thing? Why does he like Swamp Thing? (laughs) What's really weird is... I think what Swamp Thing, as far
3: as a comic, is best known for is the Alan Moore run. And when we get to return of Swamp Thing, maybe that will play more of a part in that film. But it was actually because of this film that we got a return of the Swamp Thing to comics, which eventually would bring Alan Moore. So it seems like all the good things that have to do with this character in the comics came because of this movie. Sounds kind of weird, but that's what the history shows. But as far as this character goes, again... If you want something that's not tights and Boy Scouts flying around in the sky, if you want something that is horror, if you want something that's a little bit more creepy, that's where Swamp Thing is. I mean, there is a lot of similarities to Man Thing. You know, That was the same type of thing, kind of a horror comic, and here you are with Swamp Thing. So I guess maybe, like Stuart said, if it's hard to get Hollywood to buy into capes and tights, maybe you go with a slight twist of the genre. You make a superhero film, that's kind of a horror film.
1: And I want to remind the listeners, Man-Thing beat Swamp-Thing to comics by two months. And they both ripped off the heap from, like, the 40s, so... Yes.
3: That's why Marvel never tried suing DC over it.
2: And, you know, I get it. When I just look at an image of Swamp-Thing, it makes me think about, yeah, like a universal monster, like Creature from the Black Lagoon or something. 80s horror was in full bloom, 1982 slasher movies were in. That's kind of what was in their head. What if we Trojan-horsed a superhero movie in here by selling it as a horror slasher movie? You know, kids go to a campground, kids go to a swamp. What's the difference? I think that they were trying to ride the success of Friday the 13th and that may be a reason why they went with Craven 2.
1: I... Kind of disagreed just based on the trailers I watched for this. I did get the new Scream Factory release on Blu-ray of Swamp Thing with two commentaries, four featurettes, and the original trailer. And the trailer, to me, looked superhero-ish. It showed evil men with guns being stopped by the Swamp Thing. I think they were kind of trying to... Build on Superman when I look at that trailer. Mm. I know that putting Wes Craven behind the camera makes it questionable, but looking at this movie, I do think that it's much more in the vein of horror comics than it is in horror film. And horror comics are more mystical than truly bloody and terrifying. And let's keep in mind, this was a PG movie. This was intended to be families. Now, there is an R-rated cut of this movie.
3: You know, there's only one reason. I guess we could say two reasons (laughs) that comic fans are drawn to this movie. And this is because of this cut that was
1: accidentally released at one point on DVD. Apparently in the early 80s, International audiences didn't like the American-censored films, and for a film to be internationally successful, which wasn't then what it is now, where it can make and break a movie, but it was a sizable income, you wanted to have an R-rated cut to go overseas. And so there was a version that had tits. It had Adrian Barbeau's tits and it had other people's tits just randomly <laughs> inserted <it> in scenes. <laughs> wow.
3: <laughs> See, everything I've read, it's always about Adrian Barbeau's tits. Now, I'm not sure who she is. I don't know. She's not a real stunner to me, but that is funny that they put in random tits as well.
1: Yeah. There's a party with like a lap dance girl. It's very <laughs> strange, but I have seen both cuts. And yes, Adrian Barbeau's contract stated she didn't feel like doing nudity at this point. We will talk about her a little bit more, but to say where she was here, Mrs. John Carpenter, then in several of his films, didn't feel she had to do nudity, at least in the U.S. If you want to show it overseas, that's fine. Her contract stipulated no U.S. release. And so in the early 2000s, when MGM accidentally pressed the R-rated cut... And shipped it to video stores as the PG rated cut. They then had a Texas mom get very upset and write a letter as moms are wont to do. And they went to Adrian Barbeau and it's been like twenty years. Can we just write you a check and show the nudity? Nope, recall the discs. (laughs) And so they had a big recall and now it's over fifty bucks on eBay if you want to see Adrian Barbeau's nipples. And who Adrian Barbo is, yeah, I mean, she is, I guess, a scream queen. I really only became aware of her in the past decade when I started going to horror cons and she was there. She was in a lot of classics like The Fog and Escape from New York, Creepshow, that kind of film. I don't know that she ever really achieved the notoriety, though, much more than a Heather Langenkamp.
2: Uh, Linea Quigley. Yeah, she was, I don't know, I think of a screen queen as being a virginal, you know, like a uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, someone that was the star. She more was like the tramp. I don't know that there was any more to her resume than the ones you listed, Arnie. I think that, yes, she did two very notable Carpenter movies, this film, and the first creep show, and that was kind of it.
1: Yeah, I didn't actually become aware of her until. A really pathetic save carnival rally at a horror con. You can imagine that anemic audience. And she was
2: a get for this movie, though. I wonder if she's not the star, the way that they frame it. I guess once we get into the movie, we'll talk about it. But I definitely have questions as far as the setup and who I'm supposed to be rooting for uh, once we get to Swamp Thing. It may be Adrienne Barbeau's movie.
1: Although Louis Jordan gets top billing, I think I may agree.
2: I think you should give him the plot and we can get into it. Arnie, what's Swamp Thing about? A lot of people whose names start with the letter A. Dr. Alec Holland
1: is a genius botanist. Through genetic manipulation, Holland hopes to create a plant that can survive in the harshest conditions, creating a renewable food source that can feed the planet. However, Dr. Anton Arcane views Holland's research in a different light, thinking that the same formula that creates the invulnerable plant can also lead to human immortality. Of course. It's also simple. He's aided in his research by his sister Linda, as well as new employee Alice Cable. When Holland has an explosive breakthrough, literally it's a liquid that explodes like nitroglycerin, but leaves behind invulnerable plants, Arcane and his goons attack Holland's swamp-based lab and kill Holland's sister. In the chaos, Holland's formula is dropped, setting Holland aflame, and his burning body runs to the water of the swamps, where he is presumed dead. Alice escapes in the chaos and hides Alex's last journal, detailing the formula for the plants, but she's spotted by Arcane's forces who pursue the busty brunette. She briefly teams with a local boy named Jude, and seems about to be run over by a jeep when Alex returns in the form of Swamp Thing a man-plant hybrid who even has the power to restore life to Jude after the boy is killed. Arcane's men succeed in capturing Alice and using her as bait. They also catch Swamp Thing after cutting off one of his arms. Chained up in Arcane's basement, Swamp Thing reveals he still retains Alex's intellect. And Arcane recreates Alex's formula and feeds it to Bruno, one of his goons, but instead of becoming an immortal plant, Bruno becomes a floppy-eared midget, and Swamp Thing reveals the formula only amplifies what was already inside the person. Of course, Arcane's a narcissist who believes what's inside him is genius, so he drinks the formula and becomes a giant fox? Mink? Creature? I thought it was a warthog. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, as the sun sets, it falls on Alec in his chains, and the sun's power helps him regrow his missing arm and escape his bonds. Rescuing Alice, the two escape, and Swamp Thing and Arcane Thing battle to the death in the swamp. Alice is killed in the fight, but brought back to life by Swamp Thing, who tells her to return to civilization and tell their story, while he stays to protect the swamp. So the movie starts, and I honestly wondered if they accidentally sent me the sequel. Because when it starts, it has this text that says... Not long ago, in the unexplored reaches of an unmapped swamp, the creative genius of one man collided with another's evil dream, and a monster was born. And I'm like, are you telling us the origin? Do I not get to see the origin? I didn't remember this movie, having watched it almost quarter of a century ago.
3: Hell, I watched this maybe three or four years ago or attempted to watch it on Netflix and couldn't stay awake during it. And I didn't remember this. I mean, this is confusing. Yeah, it sets it up like he's already established. Why have this text otherwise?
2: I don't think that it's to convey any plot information that we're supposed to understand. I think it's supposed to lull us into a feeling that would have been very familiar to audiences in 1982 having intertitles, and then following it with wipes and jungle sound effects. Come on, guys. You're Star Wars fans. You got that, right? This is 82. We wouldn't have Ewoks till 83. Yeah, but,
1: I mean, come on.
3: But, Stuart, that set up what we were about to see in Star Wars. It didn't tell us the ending. It didn't say, hey, Luke just found out Darth Vader was his father, and then go to Hoth.
2: Right. I agree. And you know what? This movie could use some explaining. I would have liked to read some text to know what is going on. I appreciate your plot summary, Arnie, because you told me things that the movie never did. And I'll be honest, part of the reason why it didn't was because I couldn't hear it. I had an older version of this DVD, and maybe it wasn't mastered properly, or maybe these actors just kind of run through their scientific jargon because they know it's all BS. But honestly, for the first half hour, I was struggling to understand what people were saying and why... They were here in this swamp. As far as I can tell, the research that they're doing has no relationship to the location in which the lab is at. They're not taking anything from the swamp. They're not using swamp material in their research. They're hiding. The swamp is to basically hide top secret experiments, and that's it.
3: Stuart, I don't think you missed anything with a bad audio transfer. I was able to hear this fine, and I was guessing a lot. I I think Arnie might have been guessing a lot when he wrote his plot summary about motivations and what's going on. Yeah, they just throw out lines like, Alec likes the swamp. That's where he wants to do his work. So, yeah, why not set up a super secret, multi-million dollar government operation in the swamp? Because the scientist likes it there.
1: It's really glossed over because... It's also said that the swamp can feed so many people because of how much vegetation is there. And so I couldn't tell, are they in the swamp because there's so much plant life already in the swamp? Are they in the swamp to hide? Who the hell are these scientists anyway? And what is with all the people with guns who are about to ambush them even though they look like they're out to play paintball?
3: Yeah, those guys look like when I played
2: Soldier when I was six.
1: The red bandana
3: (laughs) and all. Just having seen Rambo, yeah.
2: I want to point out, the script, not only is the direction done by Mr. West Craven, but the script is also penned by him. And I think that he hadn't got out of horror mode yet. You know, his first film, Last House on the Left, was about rubes that do terrible things. It is sort of a survivalist kind of horror film. I don't think that he was thinking any differently, and maybe the producers wanted him for this reason. But yeah, I feel like these people are coming straight out of Last House on the Left, and not from a comic book. I would have loved to have known what was going on with this experiment, but almost nothing about it makes any sense. They're recombining plant and animals together, how that is going to feed a population... I don't understand. Are we going to grow fruit on our bodies and then eat it?
3: No, we're going to grow watermelon in the desert, they say. What's so funny is, like, they're trying to infuse an animal nucleus into a vegetable cell. I don't even know if that's a thing. But because (laughs) they want plants to have the animal drive for survival, I'm sorry. Plants have been around a lot longer than animals. (laughs) They have a pretty good damn survival skill.
2: Let me cut to the quick. I'm not a scientist. I don't even play one on TV. It's easy to fool me, but this movie is doing a very bad job. I don't know much about science, but Craven knows even less.
1: (laughs) I don't think it even matters. I just, when I was taking my notes, literally wrote, Technobabble, Technobabble, recombinant DNA, Technobabble. (laughs)
2: Oh, but it does matter. You know, sense of place, it's big to me. And I love the idea of setting something in a sunken church that 50 years ago the levees broke, but you're telling me you're putting a sterile laboratory there, and I'm going to have questions. I mean, why would you do that? Why are they here? If they are looking to grow food in places that are harsh, why not go to the desert and see if you can grow it out of the sand? I mean, I don't think we're wrong for asking why, but we're not rewarded for it. I get that. So I throw up my hands and just go alright, so it's not about science. This is not a science fiction story. This is a pretext to just having a Frankenstein story in the swamp.
3: And I could go with all this goofiness this laboratory built in a sunken church and these badly dressed military commandos you know, if done right, that could be campy fun, but it just looks so damn cheap in this film.
1: It does but What I really wanted to understand, and I couldn't get, is why the hell Alice is coming there? What is her role in this? Is she a scientist? Is she a bodyguard? She's being flown in to replace somebody who was eaten by one of the swamp's alligators, and I can't tell exactly what role she's supposed to play i don't need to understand the science i don't need the writers to give me plausible science if i can understand the human relationships and here i'm having some problems too because you've got alec working with his sister linda but then alice shows up and i'm trying to figure out why she's there what she's supposed to do what am i supposed to think of adrian barbeau the name of the movie
3: This is the most confusing thing. I literally am straining, yeah, let me know why this character is there. I'm straining to understand why she is there.
2: I turned on the closed captioning, and I watched the beginning four (laughs) times. Four times, and here's what I know. She's a Washington suit. She has been brought there to shut the program down. It has been operating for ten weeks, and Washington is pulling the plug, and she is there in the last week to make it all stop. Now, is she a scientist? She's certainly out there at some points trying to fix sector cameras that have broken or something. It looks more like a basketball on a stick, but she is there to do repairs and give everyone the notices and send them packing and pack up this lab. That's what we're to get from her introduction, that Alec hasn't even been told yet and Ritter the head of the security was just told this morning, Ritter will find out is actually our villain in disguise. So that may be why, on this particular day, he's told his squadron of goons to ambush the whole lab, because he knows it's all going to go away. But I'm straining. You're right. It doesn't make any sense, any of this setup, nothing. Not the science, not the relationships. I guess this is a love story, right? Barbeau quickly decides that although the swamp is ugly... Ray Wise is as hot as it gets down in the bayou and is willing to go off on a boat ride. Is this a love story? First
1: of all, she says a line about Alec saving his moves for his wife. I don't know if I'm supposed to take that as a line or just meaning some other woman.
3: She thought that Linda, his sister, was his wife
2: right which tells me she knows nothing about this man so why would she fall in love it must be love at first sight it's just ray wise is that hot
1: but she turns away from him she turns down his every advance I mean he is practically sexually harassing her when they're going out to investigate that sensor in the swamp he is way invading her personal space he is like standing within two inches of her and then when they discover this magic exploding plant juice he immediately grabs her and forces a kiss upon her I mean in this day and age she would have one hell of a lawsuit
3: what tells me this is supposed to be a love story is Adrian Barbeau she plays Alice Cable Now, in the comic, there is someone with the last name Cable, but it's Matthew Cable. He plays a similar role. He's a government agent that has run-ins with Swamp Thing. But no, they made the choice here to take that character and make it female. That tells me they want a love story.
2: Right. They only have this day together. It's an afternoon, but later we'll see that Swamp Thing pines for this character. I I have to believe that something about her makes him fall in love with her. Not just that he's been out in The Swamps for Ten Weeks and is horny, that he sees something he loves. I wish I did. I do not understand the appeal of Alice Cable or Adrienne Barbeau other than the obvious. When she runs, she jiggles, and beyond that, I do not see what she is bringing to this part.
1: I just can't get past that hair. She hated it, too, according to what she said on The Making of. She said she couldn't watch this film forever due to her wardrobe and her hair.
3: I look at that hair, I'm like,
2: why is she a sex symbol? (laughs) that hawaiian shirt tell me they're not in hawaii why is she wearing that hawaiian shirt oh wow
1: wow she doesn't wear it long but honestly if you just get past even the fashion she's very angular and harsh looking i can see (laughs) why she'd be a genre queen maybe
2: but yeah she's no heather locklear shall we say yeah, she's butch, I think is the way I would put it. She's tough. She's a woman that could play with the boys. I can believe her if they wrote the character that she was coming into a sexist environment where she was being harassed. She could hold her own, and that I get. I think she's tough, and I think she sells her steeliness. What I don't understand, and what we're supposed to, is that she has a soft spot for this person, that... Actually, this day in the boat, really an hour in the boat, to go out and repair Section 3 cameras is enough for her to fall in love with the swamp and fall in love with Holland and be prepared to spend the rest of the movie falling in love with Swamp Thing. I
1: think you might be projecting, because I at least don't get from their performances, and I don't think it's in the script, that there is love. They have, yeah, like you say, an hour together... When he kisses her after the plant grows, I get that she might be a little less disinterested than she was at the start of the hour, but I'm really just not getting that there is a relationship there. And that's shocking to me, because my memory of this is that there was a great love story to this movie, and like they were married, and it was his wife that he was pining for as this monstrous thing. That this is the setup. Hi. How you doing? Kiss. Oh, you're dead. Is not working for me. No, you know what? This is just
3: bad, awful, horrible writing. That's what I see this as. Oh, hey, it's Hollywood logic. Here's your main actor. Here's your main actress. They're supposed to fall in love. Just go with it. We're not going to really write it in. I mean, even her toughness is undermined. At one point she's complaining about her, what, high heels getting all muddy as she's running through the swamp. You know, it's lazy writing or maybe non-existent writing. I think it's something we're just supposed to assume because that's what happens in movies.
2: Yeah, and again, you can give some passes for things. All right, I don't need to understand the science. I'll enjoy it as something else. All right, I don't need to buy the chemistry. I won't accept this as a love story. But at some point, this movie needs to take the shape of something. (laughs) It needs to be something, and I can't see for the life of me what it is until we're about 50 minutes into it. And then I have a very clear idea of what movie I think I'm watching. But it has not been any of the ones promised to me in this act one. I just feel like, yeah, love story, science fiction story, maybe a little bit of horror. They keep talking about the ghosts of the swamp and all of this stuff. But honestly, it's none of that in the end.
1: Yeah, and just to call it out again, because we mentioned it previously, Alec is Ray Wise, who we've talked about and who you've probably seen in Twin Peaks, Firewalk With Me, the movie. He was in the Charlie Sheen, The Chase. A lot of horror movies, Jeepers Creepers 2, I think. Yep, yep, I forgot about that one. He's all over the place. He's a working actor who I've seen in dozens of things. This is... One of his earlier roles, he looks really, really young, and he does a passable job. Now, I actually feel a little bad for Ray Wise, because in the movie we see, about 30 minutes into it, he catches fire, jumps in the lake, and we never see him again. We the audience. Best effect of the film, not a bad fire run there. Oh no, it was a very good full body burn. I think Craven used the same body burner when he did Nightmare two years later. But Ray Wise did a lot more work. There's a reason he's billed as high as he is. I want you guys to picture this. Every scene we see with the Swamp Thing was filmed twice. (laughs) Oh, wow. (laughs) Really? Once with stuntman Dick Durock as the Swamp Thing. And then once with Ray Wise in similar makeup.
2: Oh, wow. Standing
1: on what they call an apple box to look taller. Wow. Not the stunt scenes, but any scene of close-ups, any scene of dialogue was Ray Wise. And when they realized those two look absolutely nothing alike and who were they fooling by filming it twice, Wise was professional but a little bit saddened that he spent so long getting made up in that suit.
3: Whoa, 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 so long. Come on, that was like a green garbage bag thrown over your head. It couldn't take that long to get into this suit. This suit is awful.
2: I, I would actually second that. I didn't even call this a makeup effect. I would call it a costume, a rubber suit. It crinkles. I mean, it looks very much like an outfit that you would put on to scuba dive or something. It does not look like prosthetics or applied makeup at all.
3: Yeah, this does not look like a swamp thing. This doesn't look like something that formed from the muck at the bottom of the swamp. This is, yeah, a scuba suit. I was thinking of those, like, rubber pants fly fishermen put on. It's something made up of that. <laughs> There's nothing. Nothing about this says plant
1: All right, here's what I can say about this is I'm going to really just talk to our listeners who, like me, are children of the 80s and who may remember Manglores. There was a figure two years after this movie called Manglord, who basically was this. This looks far more like a Manglord film than any art I've ever seen of Swamp Thing from DC Comics. This was the best they could do with the budget. Wes Craven was more concerned about Swamp Thing's penis than anything else. He's like, if I'm making this movie, if Swamp Thing's going to be able to reproduce, he needs to have a dick.
2: Morning wood? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, is there a prosthetic penis on that plastic bag? There was some
1: vines hanging in an original <laughs> version of the suit, and then the censors went and went, Uh eh, no, we're not going to get away with that for a PG. And so now it's just a little viney down there, a little bit bulgy. <laughs> what Wes Craven brings to the superhero genre is being upset that when people mutate into creatures, they have no genitalia.
2: I think he forgot what movie he was making. It's worth pointing out, Craven, before he made horror, made a lot of porn. Under <laughs> a different name and uh, yeah you don't have to do that anymore there's no need to focus on that we're not thinking about this but I don't know maybe this would be better as a porno it's certainly not a sci-fi horror comic book movie yet
1: it kind of is because if you look at this setup I was thinking a lot about a film I like far better you take this whole thing you've got a scientist who's working in his lab he's obsessed with his work and he's near a breakthrough Some goons bust into his lab, smash up the lab, set the man on fire, and the man ends up in a body of water where he's presumed dead. But instead of being dead, this man actually is now alive and has supernatural strength and is hideous to look at, but still retains his intellect. But because of his deformity, he can no longer continue his research the way he did before. I'm thinking Sam Raimi saw this and went, hey, I can make that better and made Darkman.
2: This is Hulk, right? That's the closest comic book comparative I can come up with, is that you have this giant green thing that used to be human and a nerdy little brunette scientist underneath it and a woman that loves him and is he going to be turned to normal? I presume that after he changes and everything is about finding the formula, it's about turning him back. Right? That swamp thing obviously will want to be human again. But it doesn't really go that way. There's one scene after they burn down the lab. He does go back and he tries to fiddle with some test tubes and all. But is that his one attempt at trying to come up with a cure? I don't know if he's trying to come up with a cure or continue his research.
1: I'm actually disappointed in this movie because it does take 30 minutes of this film to get to this big fire scene where he jumps into the swamp. And then I'm like, yes, now we get to the Swamp Thing movie. I don't need this stupid science technobabble crap. We can get to it. But really, we don't get much Swamp Thing for another half an hour. Instead, what we get is Adrian Barbeau being chased again and again and again. And yes, during one scene, she sees him with some beakers What is he trying to do? God only knows. But I'm disappointed in the lack of thing in the swamp.
3: We do get a view of him much quicker than we did in that man thing. I remember that man thing. We, what? We saw him like for a couple seconds at the end. At least as bad as this look, we got something. We got little glimpses here. But I agree, Arnie. This turns into, I think, an action film with a bunch of chases that just keep going on and on, and Swamp Thing pops up every couple of minutes and flips a truck and then disappears, and then flips a hovercraft and then disappears. Yeah, talk about padding.
2: Not just an action movie. Once we finally get into it, I really felt like we were watching a Vietnam action movie. There's even a guy in a red bandana like Rambo, and Swamp Thing is chin-deep in the muck and coming at the boat. It's very apocalypse now. I feel like... That the way that this is filmed, it would have been very familiar to audiences that have been going to see First Blood or Let's Get Harry or Uncommon Valor or any of those early 80s Vietnam movies. Cut the green guy out of this and it would be just another one of them. I think that Wes Craven wanted to prove that he was an action director and that that was his focus. He took those rubes from his early horror movies and stuck them here in the swamp for a movie that displaces any sense of fun or comic book supernatural adventure at all.
3: Here's the thing, though, with action. Like I think I'm probably the biggest action fan. With now playing. And Arnie, I know you've questioned yourself in the past. Are you actually an action fan? There's movies that have tested your limit. And my thing, when it comes to action, you know, one, it's got to serve the plot. And I like some creativity in it. If it serves the plot less, then up the creativity. I I don't want to just see mindless chases for 30 40 minutes here these are just mindless chases there's nothing creative here there's no purpose to this they eventually catch cable so why do we have to spend so much time seeing her run around she's hanging out with this little kid jude which is kind of a weird way to play that kid but i get some unintentional chuckles but yeah this action (laughs) really tests my patience as an action fan
1: because it is so rote and boring it's terrible. And yeah, as not an action guy, but who enjoys action in sci-fi and superhero films, but a little bit less in say a Chuck Norris film, I'm really bored by all of this quote unquote action. I'm trying to see it move the plot along, but it's mindless chase after mindless chase. And when Jude shows up, wow, I'm, <laughs> I found out in the commentary that This was filmed in South Carolina, and it was cheap to just find people from the local school and say, Hey, who wants to be in a movie if they're in the drama class? And that's where they got him. He never worked again. He got the career he deserved. He's
2: the best actor in this movie. I enjoy Jude more than (laughs) I enjoy any other performance in this entire film. Is he a non-actor? Yes but his flat delivery is actually a benefit because these things that he has to say aren't funny. Oh, shit, there goes the neighborhood. (laughs) Not a funny joke, but the way that he flattens that, the way that he doesn't play up, usually if he'd gotten a Hollywood kid, they would have given you the big eyes and the big grin and really sold you the yucks. The fact that he doesn't know how to do that is actually quite endearing here. He's the only one I care about in all of this swamp, Running back and forth and everything's about getting a notebook. It's not even about getting Adrian Barbeau. Adrian Barbeau has gotten the last of seven notebooks. This is a, an age pre-computer where scientists wrote everything down by hand in a little diary and they've got to get this diary. All of that stuff, it's just so tedious. But when Jude is around, and when Jude is observing it through his giant Coke bottle glasses, I'm smiling at least. You're not going to get me to hate on Jude, because he's the only thing I relate to.
1: Can you hate on the fact that Jude is poorly developed and
2: then completely shut it off screen? Yeah, they kill him. That was a shocker. How ugly. What a terrible choice. to I mean, if you're making a PG movie for kids, do we really want to see his throat
1: slit? It's okay. Swamp Thing can bring you back to life.
2: All right. And now this is what I really want to talk about. Jacob, you read some of these comics. What are Swamp Thing's powers? As far as I know, he got some green serum splashed on him that would have made him... Maybe I thought it made the plants grow on him or gives him the strength of a tree or something. Or he can talk to the plants, like Aquaman. Right. (laughs) But I don't really understand. He's invulnerable to bullets. He's being able to resurrect people from the dead.
3: Well, in another poorly developed plot of this movie, yeah, what are his powers? At least in the comic, he's a mass of plants. So, yeah, you could shoot a plant. Is that really going to do anything to it? No. So he is, for all intents and purposes invulnerable he he could transfer his conscious you know to another set of plants and form into another type of swamp thing you know he could travel through like the root system he has he has the strength of trees is very strong he could control and manipulate plant growth i'm sure at some point he did some minor healing with characters he's not jesus though though there was a banned story about him transferring his consciousness to a piece of wood that was part of jesus's cross (laughs) But no, he never fully resurrected people, that I recall anyway. He might have done little minor things here and there, but not fully bring someone with a slit throat back to life. What does that have to do with plants? Like, we don't have, like, plant tendons in our throats that he could make grow back together.
1: If anything, I figured this was something added in for just this plot, because our villain here, Arcane, played by Louis Jordan, who
2: we saw in Octopussy... (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I did enjoy seeing him come back. He exudes that sort of oily villain. He plays it to the hilt, and it was a lot more enjoyable than the Octopusy, but I think he is one of the stronger actors here. He's my second favorite after Jude.
1: I'd say he's my first. He's appropriately arch. He's the right type of personality for a comic book villain. But what he wants is immortality. He's starting to get a little older and doesn't want to. And so that's his design on this formula.
2: Later, Uh, it's worth pointing out, initially he was going to extort the world, starve or kneel. He was going to control the world's food supply. I think the plot changes as the movie goes along. You must have gotten that
3: from watching this intro four times, because I was wondering, I'm like, how does he even know what they're working on? Well, How does he know that's even going to make him invulnerable and immortal?
2: He's the security guard. He's killed the head of the security, Ritter, and has been walking around with prosthetics of Ritter on his face, so he's seen something, and at some point has signaled for his men to come and Storm the Complex, it seems way too overly complicated. They haven't even been successful until the last hour of their research, (laughs) and just by complete accident, created explosive, invulnerable whatever. Again, What is this movie doing?
1: I did like his Mission Impossible mask, though.
2: Yeah, and that cannot be undersold. In the early 80s, nothing was more fun than to see somebody with prosthetics on their face and peel it off and you saw who it really was underneath. They did it all the time. It was really a makeup technique that came of age in the early 80s. It's fun here. It's always fun in the early 80s to see that. But again, I asked. What am I supposed to care about here? I don't understand the villain's plot. I don't understand what the researchers were doing. I don't understand the attraction of the two leaves. Again, I go to Jude because he's just as mystified by it all <laughs> as I am. He's the only one that I get.
1: Well, I think that Swamp Thing's resurrection power is to show that what Arcane is wanting is in Swamp Thing. Now, whether it was from the comics or not, I never knew. And this does take us into our third act, which is all about Arcane trying to get Swamp Thing and trying to get the potion.
3: A third act that is brought about, okay, we've watched like 30 minutes of bad chase scenes, and finally Swamp Thing's like, ah, screw it. The only way out is through. Let's get caught. Like, why did you just waste my last half hour if you always knew you had to be (laughs) be caught?
1: Well, he only decides to be caught after they take Alice.
2: Who he loves because she gives a side boob shot. I want to point out the version I saw, I don't know if this is the international version, but I definitely saw some side titty.
3: No, in the Netflix version, there's some side boob.
1: There's some side boob and even some very slightly visible nipple. You could get away with that in PG in the 80s. But that scene that goes on for full-on front boob if you are watching the R-rated cuts.
2: Oh, okay. Then I didn't see that.
1: I was the same way. I'm like, oh my god, did Scream Factory make the same mistake? But no, it's the PG-rated cut that we all saw. But yeah, he's kind of... Does Swamp Thing get wood if he sees a woman bathing? Does he get branch? But he has some affection for her, and yes, decides to, after getting his arm cut off, be captured and go there. And this is the section, though, you guys were talking about the green garbage bag, Here is where the makeup effects truly look bad, because they had so little money on this. Wes Craven just complained about how, as he worked, they just kept slashing the budget on him, cutting it more and more. I've never in my life, to my memory, seen a worse mask where somebody tried to talk. Usually they have those appliances that they glue with that gum on people's faces, so when you move your mouth... The makeup moves with you. This is like a mask bought right now at Halloween time at Spencer's Gifts that has the little mouth slit that you can put your teeth around and it will move a little bit when you move your mouth. I don't even
3: get why they developed the mask this way. As bad as that mask is, he's got these overarching eyebrows. Like his face just looks so pompous. I don't know. It's, It's almost like he's trying to strike this pose as the smart scientist, but it's just so ridiculous looking in this green latex. Thing that they're trying to pass off.
2: I wasn't sure whether, you know, some things are meant to be scary, and then sometimes we're meant to see the actor underneath. I wasn't sure whether they wanted Dick Durock to give a performance here, but I largely didn't get it. I can honestly say that I felt like, we're to understand Swamp Thing as distorted, disfigured. I don't really know his emotions beyond that. I think he has one soliloquy where he talked about feeling lonely and Is it all a dream? But for the most part, he remains a monster. Throughout the movie, I would say that the humanity of Ray Wise, maybe I would have gotten it with the Ray Wise version, but with Dick Durock, I just get big, scary Frankenstein.
3: Was it Durock who was voicing Man-Thing? Once he does finally talk, is at the beginning, we get a bunch of grunts from him. But once he starts talking again, Arnie, you did that gravelly Christian Bale voice, but that's not how Swamp Thing is.
1: He is, the voice is so disconnected from what we're seeing on the screen. Yeah, I truthfully did the Swamp Thing TV series voice, which was Dick DeRox modulated with a computer. I'm thinking this was Dick DeRox back then. I don't have any confirmation of that. I can clearly say it wasn't Ray Wise's.
2: Right. It definitely isn't Ray Wise. And I didn't get a sense that this was a continuation of Alec Holland. I'm wondering how Louis Jordan knows that it was his rival or whatever. Again, what was the relationship between Arcane and Holland? Were they fellow scientists? Was he... uh, whatever.
1: Yeah, it's really, truly, horribly defined.
2: Yes. Again, Craven wrote this script. Whatever they did to slash the budget, whatever effects that weren't pleasing, he was in charge of conveying the information in a way that we could understand it. And this is all in a swamp. I mean, it is just a muddle of stuff I'm wading through and I'm finding nothing to grab onto.
1: They did not get to finish filming. They turned (laughs) off the filming a little bit early. Perhaps because he spent so much time filming everything twice with two different actors in two different makeup suits. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of blame that could be spread around on this, but there may be scenes from the script that were missing. And in fact, Adrienne Barbeau, in one of these featurettes, said when she read that script, she was incredibly moved and did say, this could be the next Star Wars. (laughs) Based on the script. And then when she walked out from the original screening, she wondered, will I ever work again? (laughs) So from what was on the page to what was on the screen, a lot of compromises were made.
2: I understand that, but he's both the director and the screenwriter. He sees the changes happening. You have to adapt with it. If he was insistent on filming it on the page but wasn't getting the money to realize it, he should have changed it. I'm not even sure that they are able to keep track of the militia. I mean, at some points, the same men are referred to by different names. (laughs) They literally, I just get a a real ambivalence. They don't seem to care about what's going on. At one point, the guy with the beard is called Mike, and then he's called Danny. And then he's Mike again. It's just ridiculous.
1: I couldn't keep track of them. I only knew Ferret and Bruno. Let's talk about Bruno. This is where we find
3: out what... Arcane wants, why he wants this formula, or at least we're told by Swamp Thing what this formula will do. It brings out your essence, which makes no damn sense. I I guess Alec Holland's essence was plants.
2: He loved the swamp. He loved the swamp, and so he became the swamp.
3: Is that an essence, though?
2: (laughs) I really like pizza. What's (laughs) gonna happen if I drink that?
3: And so we get Bruno, this big, strong guy, and he takes the formula. Arcane, like, roofies his drink. He doesn't even know he had taken it. And he turns into this, like, little
1: person troll. I just thought he looked like a ripper from Tank Girl.
3: Oh, wow. A
1: little baby one. (laughs)
3: Yeah. He's the big strong guy, but he has a bad self-esteem, so he thinks of himself as a little tiny guy. No, his essence is stupidity. That is not what someone's essence is, is stupidity. And why does that turn you into a troll? He actually becomes pretty smart once he is a troll. He really helps Swamp Thing out.
2: I think he's a pig, at least that's what I got, because he's kind of squealing. He's duped, as you said. He was roofied. He's sitting there thinking he's the guest of honor. He drinks it, and then he starts you know, convulsing and making a noise. I thought it was a squeal, and he is a beefy guy. He is overweight. I presume that what they were saying was that he was a pig.
3: No, no, no. They say his essence
1: is stupidity. They call that out. Well, that's what Arcane says. Again, it goes back, I think, the now-playing axiom. When we lack a better explanation, we must take what we are told. <laughs> That's just what Arcane says. He's not exactly a reliable narrator in that regard. But, yeah, I'd feel truthfully bad for Bruno because Nicholas Worth is a guy who I recognized from Darkman. He would go on to be in that movie as well, perhaps while I was thinking about it. And so when he turns into this little person dog creature, I'm really wondering two things one what the hell happened to this movie and two how did his pants shrink with his body yes how did his clothes shrink it's you know at least the whole his clothes get all ripped up here he should be swimming in that outfit well i noticed bruto the shirt was way too tight on him in fact before i knew he was roofied i'm like dude what is up with that shirt why is it showing me your nipples and then when he shrinks i'm like oh so it fits the little person but the pants i don't get
2: You know what? I don't mind this if they had set it up. It's all about in the way that you set this up. If Holland were doing research on the essence of man, if he was doing human physiology, okay, maybe this breakthrough is about changing people into what they naturally are. It's about changing your physiology to match their inner state. He wasn't doing that research. He was trying to grow a potato at the top of a mountain. It makes no sense that he would have that kind of breakthrough. Again... I will not forgive them for the setup that they had. They made me sit through 35 plotting minutes. But really, I mean, don't make me sit through stuff if it's not important. If what he was doing was not important, kill Holland in the first 10 minutes and get it going and not belabor the point. But the truth of the matter is, we spent so much time believing, me replaying scenes and scenes, (laughs) believing that the research was going to matter, and here it's just a a, a buguffin. It's whatever they want it to be at any given point, and now it can change you into whatever your essence is. At this point, I'm very angry. I could have accepted it, but I'm very angry at how lazy, how bazy. This has all come together.
3: You you didn't like all the time spent on finding... What was that? Like an otter that had some microbe on it that they needed to make all that? I mean, that literally... Like a whole scene about this otter with these plant microbes growing in the fur and...
2: A Cooper's Digger! They call it a Cooper's Digger! I did research Googling this. It doesn't exist. The only place it exists, Google it, and it will come up swamp thing. There is no such thing!
1: Now... I'm going to pardon this movie's third act for two reasons. First, Craven did say the third act was what got most savagely cut by the budget. But second, this is a movie. If this had started 30 minutes in, I might be able to endorse. It's madcap. People are drinking potions and turning into weird crap. Imagine if we had a whole movie of that. Imagine if we had just an hour of this movie being random mutations. We start with Bruno... And next, Arcane's going to take the formula. I'm in for a monster mash. And yes, due to the budget, this is making me think of nothing so much as Toxic Avenger, that trauma film. Yeah. I mean, that's the quality of this movie. But give me that. Embrace it. Wes Craven, I've never seen a movie of his to put on airs. So I've never seen music from the heart but I've never seen a film of his put on airs and try to be more than the low-budget schlock it was. New Nightmare. All right, yeah, uh okay. (laughs) But that was high-budget schlock.
2: Uh, Not that high. (laughs) I mean,
3: this is a film. There's all these different wipes. I don't know the names of them, but in films. This has a what I call a slime wipe. (laughs) <laughs> where like the light was literally supposed to look like swamp slime coming down the screen and then go- rising back up to introduce the next scene. Like, yeah, this is camp. This is what should be embraced. Characters like Jude and these weird mutations. Th- this is what the film should be. And it feels like, yeah, were they going for Star Wars? Maybe, but they shouldn't
1: have. What Craven said is it wasn't Star Wars so much as an inexperienced director trying to look fancy and comic booky.
2: Well, at least we finally agree on something that. <laughs> That is honestly where I keep going to, the inexperience, the inexplicable sloppiness of all of it is. This is the stuff they didn't get to film all of? The third act's the best part of the whole movie. <laughs> I agree. I mean, that's baffling. They shouldn't have not filmed that half hour in the beginning. They should have gotten to the Monster Mash much sooner. I mean, sure, hold Louis Jourdan for your climax, you're going to want to have your supervillain be the last one, of course, But yeah, we should have had monsters earlier. The fact that they tried to do this Vietnam movie with the bad guys storming through the jungle and burning all the lab for 10 minutes, just awful. It's a movie that does not know what it wants to be. Again, I think this was PG. They wanted kids to go to this. Yeah, I will give them some credit though because we've
1: long discussed since our Howard the Duck podcast, our first Marvel podcast, I've discussed how I hate the trope of when an actor mutates into something else at the end of a movie. And we kind of credited Stay Puffed for that. And Ghostbusters, Wes Craven did it two years before. Here, Louis Jordan takes the potion and that's the end of Louis Jordan. Instead, we get a stuntman in a costume that makes Swamp Thing look good.
3: Yeah. Here's the thing. When I first tried to watch this film a few years ago, like I said, I fell asleep during it. I'd seen the Swamp Thing and during all that chase, I've just got bored, fell asleep. I wake up to this climax where Swamp Thing is fighting a werewolf with a sword or, I don't know, a <laughs> warthog or a fox or something. I'm like, what the – how do you bridge this gap? Now I know. But that is a surreal thing to wake up to. And I still don't know what Arcane is supposed to be, though. You said a fox. He kind of looked like a warthog to me. At first, I thought he was a werewolf. What is this essence that he is?
2: He's a monster. I took it to mean just that he thought that he was going to turn super smart, and he turned super monstrous. And this was the, the makeup artist's idea of, of how to be the ultimate monster.
1: Craven had written Werewolf. And the makeup guy went and said, listen, we don't have a whole lot of money. And there was just the howling and they didn't even know about American werewolf. But they're like, there's some big werewolf things going on. If we go out there with a werewolf in this day, we're going to get creamed by the critics. So let's try something just different. <laughs> so this? Yes, <laughs> this is what was better than the werewolf. I mean, really, the body looks
3: almost like reptilian, except as a stripe of fur going down to the tail. I thought he was wearing armor,
1: like some kind of chainmail
3: or something. It was weird. Why not? Bruno's clothes shrunk. Why couldn't he just show up with armor on? It's weird. He goes into this cocoon that he like emerges from. That's the big mystery. Like, did he just die? But no, he emerges from this cocoon. He grabs a sword. It is so weird. It makes so little sense, but it's kind of enjoyable. Like you guys have said, I wish there was more of this in the film.
2: Yeah, I'm not even going to complain right now because this was what it did best. You know, honestly, if they had done more of this, I wouldn't have recommended it, but I would have at least understood it. And as it is, I don't even know what they're going for. That this is the tacked on ending is baffling because it has nothing to do with the last 70 minutes.
1: But... Even if this was the whole film, it is so poorly filmed. I'm again back at that trauma level of filmmaking because he's swiping a sword at the camera lens. We can't even get the two stuntmen moving very much in these horrible outfits.
3: I remember those Toxic Avenger films looking much better than this. Maybe we'll have to revisit them one day.
2: I'm a Godzilla fan. I understand man in suit against man in suit. And if it looks crummy, okay. But they should at least destroy something. I guess they threw in some dry ice and they wanted to make it about the swamp. But I would have liked to have seen at least a little bit more destruction. Even on your average Hulk episode, shit got broke.
1: And that's where I was really going with this is TV action. When they're chasing Adrian Barbeau early on, and the big scene is a boat does a ramp jump off screen, it's Dukes of Hazard. When I see Swamp Thing come in and take out the jeep for the first time and he fights the guys, what does he do? He picks them up and throws them in the water, just like Hulk would do to all the villains. This probably would have rocked if it was a TV movie that we were being forced to review because it was shown once in istanbul but this was a theatrical release here at home and it's embarrassing i will say i laughed my ass off though because adrian barbeau gets stabbed in the tit and dies and swamp thing goes to heal her and out of the wound grows moss i really thought he had just given her a chia pet boob and it was going to be there permanently (laughs) It turns out just to fall right off, but I really was laughing hysterically if he'd made her part plant.
3: Yeah, make her Lady Swamp thing. What's even more baffling to me is like, you need time to heal. You need to tell our story. Why? What story? (laughs) I've just watched this film. What story do you need to tell? Why does this need to be told to the public? What purpose will it serve? She needs to
1: come here to Now Playing and explain the fucking film to us.
2: (laughs) Oh, they needed to tell the story, just not the one they gave us.
1: And you guys are saying love story. Am I supposed to feel melancholy when Swamp Thing shoes her away and goes off to be alone?
2: Didn't you hear the Lonely Man theme from Incredible Hulk? I swear to God, it's Bixby. I mean, that was what Craven was doing. He was just slavishly stealing from what would have been on TV at the same time.
1: Well, at least Jude comes back at the end. Yes, yeah, it's always a pleasure when
3: Jude is on screen.
1: Yeah, too bad he didn't get the sequel. He did come back for a bonus feature. They found the actor. They called it Hey Jude. do you have any pleasant memories what
3: 7-eleven is he working at now
1: hey now i'm gonna give this guy some props he showed up for the interview in a suit he was looking good he is not in hollywood or anything he was an extra on a couple more films and has fond memories of this i don't even think he's exploiting it on the con circuit yet (laughs) (laughs) so jacob stewart do you recommend swamp thing jacob
3: look Camp can forgive a lot of things. I recommend a tank girl. But this camp, this is the kind of camp where grizzly bears steal your food, mosquito-infested swamp, you're getting stung all over, it's pouring rain, you got holes in your tents. This is no fun. This is poorly made, poorly written, poorly... (laughs) sfx This costume is awful. Yeah. The most enjoyable things are when they really do... I don't know if they're even embracing the camp. It's all unintentional to me. Jude. These monsters at the end. Bruno and what Arcane turns into. It looks awful, but it's kind of fun. That's what works best in this film. Look, I still think this is more enjoyable than Man-Thing. I will take this over Man-Thing any day. Not because this is so good, but because that film is so bad. This is still a strong not recommend.
2: Stuart. I know. That is the bar. That was the very low bar I set at the beginning of this podcast was, can it be better than Man-Thing? The fact that I have to pause is damning enough, I think. Yes, it's probably better than Man-Thing. Part of that is it's been two and a half years since I've seen Man-Thing. But this is awful. This is just as unenjoyable. I mean, it may be better made. It may be a better movie by some kind of metric. But truly, it is completely entertainment deficient. And I put a lot of that, a lot of that on Craven. Because there is no direction to this. He wrote the script. He directed this movie. I can't tell you what's important in it. It's bad at horror. It's bad at action. It's bad at comedy. It's bad at romance. It's bad at sci-fi. He's not good at any of it. I mean, it's shocking. They certainly didn't set themselves up for a franchise out of this. I don't know if he was planning to come back for the sequel, but I find it a relief to know that he will be gone when we talk about the movie next week. This is a very strong not recommend, and maybe it's better than Man-Thing, but only by a blade of grass or two. I mean, this is awful.
1: Well, you can't say that Wes Craven not returning is a tremendous thing. I mean, after Swamp Thing, it's hard to believe that his next film would in fact be his best.
2: According to you... Oh, Scream.
1: Motherfuck Scream. Forgot Scream.
2: (laughs) It's his only good movie! (laughs) That is his only good movie. The other stuff, he got by on concepts and half ideas. And, as I said, people at the time did agree with you, Stuart. I mean,
1: he said he thought he'd never work again. He couldn't find work. He had to go to grassroots and really work hard in order to get Elm Street. But as for Swamp Thing... I can't disagree with anything you guys have said, nor can I really add to it. I can only reiterate what you've said. But I kind of look at Swamp Thing as like a bug under a glass. And I think Swamp Thing is to some people, and I think they may be in our generation, what those monster movies of the 50s were to the baby boomers. If you grew up watching Swamp Thing, I think there are tens of thousands of people who really have fond memories of this while still at the same time realizing it's incredibly schlocky. I mean, that's the only reason I can even think of why they do a two-disc Blu-ray release is there must be someone somewhere who has love for this. And I've never been able to understand that love for that 1950s monster mask drive-in black-and-white cinema. Just never could understand the appeal. But now, looking at Swamp Thing, I can see why people would have the appeal to this if you grew up in the 80s. And thus, I can take it back a generation and start to understand why people would have appeal for things like The Thing from Outer Space and that type of movie with the big giant carrot.
2: Oh my god, are you really saying that this movie is as good as The Thing from Another (laughs) World?
1: (laughs) I'm saying they're of a type.
3: Direct your angry emails to Arnie.
1: <laughs> yes, can't
2: wait for the forums. Feel the heat now.
1: So I will say though definitively, this is miles above man thing. Because if you were into Dukes of Hazard and Incredible Hulk and maybe the Fall Guy and Starsky and Hutch and that kind of TV series. And you saw this on VHS in 83 or 84 and you grew up with it. I bet there's a mossy spot in your heart for this green trash bag wearing stuntman. I didn't enjoy Swamp Thing, but I'm not going to judge anyone who has it as a guilty pleasure. But still, for me, I can't recommend it. It's a not recommend, but I could see where people might get off on the badness.
2: Well, I don't think it's all related to this movie. I think if people have affection for Swamp Thing, probably comes from the comic. And having not read the comic, I don't know. I'm betting that any issue, grab one, and it's going to be better than what we just saw.
1: I will admit I've read a little bit of Swamp Thing as part of our Constantine books and nachos when we were reading some of the comics. Constantine and Swamp Thing, they were BFFs.
3: Yeah, that's how we got Constantine. Alan Moore introduced him through Swamp Thing.
1: So I've read some comics with Swamp Thing. I'll just admit I didn't get it. (laughs) I didn't understand it well enough to get it. And so it didn't drag me into the swamp to instantly read more the way I wanted to read more about Constantine.
2: You have my word. By next week, I'm going to go out there and at least read a few issues of Alan Moore to see if there's anything here. Whether the problem is conceptual or Wes Craven, I'll have a better answer next week when we get to the second and hopefully final (laughs) Swamp Thing movie. Second, probably not final, but we'll discuss that next week. By the way, folks, this is the last week we have released all the Psycho shows. And for all those that have donated, thank you so much. For those that have been on the fence, this is it. Halloween will be your last day to get Psycho, Psycho 2, Psycho 3, Psycho 4, Bates Motel, Gus Van Psycho, and all of the Simon Pegg and Nick Frost movies. They are getting locked up. After Halloween, November 1st, it will be gone. And if you've been thinking about it, don't get tricked. Get the treats. These are great shows, and they are only available until Thursday.
1: And also, come to our forums. Tell us if you like Swamp Thing or Man Thing, the movie versions. Tell us why you like Swamp Thing, if you do.
2: Prepare to have a very, very long case to be made, because I don't see how.
1: The links to our forums can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me, and until then, I'll always be with you.
2: It's over.
0: Alec, let me go with you.
1: Please.
2: You need to heal. You need to
0: tell our story. I'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of Now Playing and we hope you've enjoyed the show. Wow,
2: I want those to some butt?
0: Come to nowplayingpodcast.com each week as we review another movie. Talent does only what it can.
2: Genius does what it must.
0: Plus, in the archive section at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find other reviews in our DC Comics retrospective, including reviews of the Superman films, Batman films, Green Lantern, V for Vendetta, A History of Violence, Tank Girl, Constantine, and more.
3: Well, fun's fun, but how about showing me something
0: else? You can also hear our reviews of non-comic-based films, including Star Trek, The Karate Kid, Predator, James Bond, Rambo, Rocky, and more. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts at nowplayingpodcast.com.
1: My man, I wouldn't steer you wrong.
0: While at nowplayingpodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this review with other listeners. We should definitely expect company. And we will receive them with our... Customary hospitality. Exactly. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. The links to our social media pages can be found at NowPlayingPodcast.com. And I thought you were up for some fun. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. Have you given any thought to that salary increase we talked about? You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. But we will get it. When? Soon. Won't we, Doctor? Yes, quite soon, Doctor Arcade. You can also help Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to our iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com.
1: Terrific.
0: I'll remember that the next time I throw a party. Now Playing's Swamp Thing retrospective series is edited by Heath, Phil, and Arnie.
2: One more afternoon like this, and it's back to Becky Ford.
0: Now Playing credit narration by Brock. But I'm
1: digressing.
0: Now Playing is not affiliated with the producers of these motion pictures. All movies discussed on Now Playing are the intellectual property of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. This has all the thrills of watching grass grow. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Vinganza Media, Incorporated.
3: Why can't men be more like plants? I mean, you can stroke a plant and it doesn't get the wrong idea.
0: Now Playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2013, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media, Incorporated.
2: That kind of turns me on. I rest my case. I got worried. I thought we were reviewing some Batman movie or something. That's your man, that's your man thing voice? No, 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 Swamp thing. Swamp thing voice? (laughs) Okay.
3: What, what are you talking about? A superhero movie? I mean, man thing. Sophisticated suspense. This character always had a foot in horror. Why not Wes Craven?
2: Swamp thing. Swamp thing. How many times are we going to do that? <laughs> I don't know. Probably the whole show. Yeah. The editor is already hating us.
1: Holland hopes to create a plan that can survive Plant A plant. <laughs> Typos that make sense.
3: Adrian Barboo. Is it Barboo?
1: Barboo. Barbo. <laughs> Adrian
2: Barboo. Barbu Bar- <laughs> Bar- But that Bar- doesn't boobs. make me laugh. Barboobs?
1: <laughs> Bar, boobs? Bar- boobs. <laughs> Yes. I'm just thinking boo-boo. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Adrienne Barbeau, she plays
2: Alice Cable. Now, I'm from sorry. The- <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not getting over <laughs> Barbeau. I just, I'm sorry. I'll pull it together.
1: What's the great Babu? What is <laughs> yeah, babu? the
2: great the Gazoo. That's uh the Flintstones. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that should be the name of her autobiography. <laughs> They made me sit through 35 plotting hour, 35 plotting <laughs> minutes. It felt like
1: 35 hours. <laughs>
2: yes, it did.